Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns, and this is the show where we share cutting edge strategies on acquiring leads and sales to acquire more customers for your business through paid traffic. And today we're pretty excited to have part two of our two-part series on this personal injury law case study and As I mentioned at the end of last week's episode, you can learn a lot from other industries. If you're not a personal injury lawyer and you're saying this isn't for me, well, it actually is for you. (laughs) And this is a highly competitive space. And some of the best ideas that I've ever had personally in the advertising space come from cross-referencing industry to industry. So maybe the supplement space over to the digital product space, the e-commerce space to the services space. Like this is where we make some of our biggest breakthroughs at Tier 11. And certainly that has been the case in my career in marketing and advertising. So I would encourage you to do the same, reminding you that the printing press was done this way. Gutenberg, as I mentioned on our last show, discovered the idea from remembering when he was a kid of how olives were pressed and how grapes were pressed to create wine. So this is a great example of a great idea coming out of an industry that's completely different. I don't know if you're necessarily going to invent the printing press here today, but you certainly can get great ideas for your marketing or feed them to your team if you oversee a team internally and or if you're an agency. So this case study gets steps three and four here, which are super important and applied to just about every other industry that I can think of. I think you're going to find it super relevant and useful. So before we get into today's episode, I do want to give you our nugget from this week. And this is a super easy one, a super simple one, which was actually done for one of our clients and it made a major difference. And I'll leave a link for the ad in the show notes. I don't know how many podcasts actually do this. Like they actually share ads that are really actually working to the general public. But the point is, is this one absolutely crushed. It lowered their cost per acquisition from $60 to $35 using $60 to $35. And this is in the e-commerce space. Once again, we borrowed this from the digital space and brought it over to the e-commerce space using this love sandwich video using some UGC and we're able to get results for this customer, which are sustaining right now. So UGC These types of ads should feel real. They shouldn't be scripted. And you should also make sure that users believe that the content was created by a real person. If this is something that you're using creators for, make sure it looks and feels and sounds authentic. At the very least, have them use the product. Have them actually be somebody who is in the demographic that it serves. Have it be somebody who has found the product useful in the past or maybe can expound the virtues to a different demographic. The point is, is the authenticity for UGC is absolutely critical. 
And like I said, it's got to be relevant and on point to the audience that you're targeting. And this is for one of the supplement companies that we work with. And it's actually a video for one of their products using UGC for the demographic that they serve. So we'll leave links in the show notes for that. But once again, the importance of UGC at top level not necessarily always on retargeting. In the past, we've talked about using UGC content for level two, three, four type of retargeting, which is after somebody is engaged with your brand, maybe is looking for you know a little bit more knowledge about the product once they've watched a video or seen an image ad. These are used at the top of the funnel now. We use UGC at level one traffic ads to cold traffic to interest-based targeting, lookalike-based targeting with exclusions for website custom audiences, previous purchasers, and all that. So uh, definitely use UGC wherever you can and use this formula, which is a pretty good formula, which was roughly scripted out for this particular UGC, but it was done off the cuff. So it looks and feels real from an actual user. So highly encourage you to use that. That's this week's nugget. Let's get into part two of this week's case study. We were able to get 628 signed cases for a personal injury law firm at $1,578 per case on about a million dollar spend. And we are going to get into steps three and four right after this quick break. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. All right, we are back with the uh, personal injury case study here. We've got, they're starting off on step three. So far, we've gone through steps one and two. Step one was fixing the tracking and step two was starting to deploy the traffic harmonizer. And we talked quite a bit about the Google algorithm. So are you ready to get into some creative stuff here, Kasa Muslim? I was born ready. I love creative. He loves creative. 
All right. So part of the whole customer acquisition application super system is probably the most important part. And one of the things that we start off immediately, and we realize that a lot of companies, whether it's a PI law firm or whether it's a service-based business, it doesn't matter what it is, the avatar, the messaging, and the who of who we're trying to target as far as messaging goes is really off. In most cases, we see really generic ads. If it's an e-commerce company, it's just a picture of the product, not anything about the actual benefits of it, more along the features, nothing about their wants and fears and the voice of that client or that customer, or that potential prospect and what they actually get when they purchase that product, what problem it solves, what deep sort of inner desire it achieves. Like all these things are really, really important. And the creative lab side of the equation is super important. Now in personal injury law, it's pretty set. I mean, there's not going to be a whole lot of different types of avatars here. And that's why it's kind of fun to work in the same space because you can roughly duplicate the same types of avatars. You know, there are some regional differences in most cases, but in most cases, Kasim, we're really going through a pretty in-depth specific to that PI law firm and who their avatar, who they think their avatar is. At the end of the day, come out with two avatars. And one is really ideal for Google search ads. And the other one is ideal for meta ads or for more interruption-based marketing. And we haven't done much with YouTube ads for these guys as of yet, but that sort of interrupted intent type of video ad might work really well to layer on a combination of both of these avatars. But for our case study here, we really had very two specific types of avatars, and each needed its own messaging, its own optimization, its own bidding strategy, and they were very distinct. And how we did this originally, and now we can sort of do this more or less in a templated way for a lot of personal injury law firms, is that we'll use customer reviews from their site, and then we'll use interviews from their founder, from their director of marketing, and then we might go into customer surveys. We might even listen in on some call recordings if it's not something that is non-HIPAA compliant. And we'll get into exactly what that avatar is thinking and feeling. And like I said, in most cases for personal injury law, especially in the car accident niche, there's two big avatars. And like I said, one is good for Google, and the other one is on Meta. So in this particular case, we call this avatar for Google Ads accident. Andy, he's just been in an auto accident. Probably one of the worst, crappiest moments of his life. He just needs to talk to somebody right now. Begins that search on Google. He's looking for an immediate way to resolve the problem that he has. And he's probably pissed off. He might even need to go to the doctor. He's maybe concerned how much time he's going to lose at work. And he's kind of worried about his financial needs. Like, what is this going to mean for me? Is my insurance going to cover this? Is my medical insurance going to cover it? And trying to put this behind him as soon as possible. So what we found is that this avatar is fairly consistent no matter what state or what city they're in. And it's one that works really, really well. So in this colors how we talk to this individual in our Google ads. And then we'll lay that into our meta ads as well as we look at avatar number two. There's not as many people on meta going out there and searching for personal injury lawyers. Yes, it does happen. If you have a leaky faucet, you know, your toilet is leaking and flooding your downstairs, you're probably not going to go to Facebook. You will go to Google to find the plumber to get over or maybe shut off the water would be probably a first move. But the point is, is each one of these platforms has its own place. Meta is more for the avatar that was in an accident. Maybe it's been a month or two since the accident and they're 
focusing on recovering and healing, but the bills are starting to pile up and they see an ad for a personal injury lawyer in their Facebook feed. Chances are Facebook kind of knows that you've been in an accident based upon your Google searches, based upon the things that you like and you share and you're commenting on inside Facebook and all the other activities. Once again, Facebook has 55,000 plus data points on you. Chances are if your targeting is right and your advertising is right, you're going to be picking up these types of people anyway, based upon really good targeting and all the data. So, Dude, would, I, so bet money, 85% of people who get into a car accident post on Facebook, oh my goodness, I was just in a car accident. It doesn't even have to be really good targeting. It's just right down the middle of the lane. You know what I mean? Right That's a life event that most people are public about. Yeah, so true. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. But that's like everyone wants to share like they're, oh, so sorry. You know what I mean? My father-in-law just passed away this past week. And we had to like tell all the kids, don't post anything on social. You know oh, what I, I mean? I even thought about that. What know, an interesting it's, problem. It was really, it was, yeah, it was super interesting. And we had to deal with it. And thankfully, everyone did, which was great. Because we wanted other people to know, not find out through social media, like make phone calls and everything else. But yeah, you're so right. Oh my God. It's so true. Anyway, so Facebook doesn't have to be super smart. They just have to read posts from people to kind of know. <laughs> Which we know they <laughs> do. what you're saying. Yeah. Which they, they are doing that anyway. I'm right. fairly certain. So maybe you're posting about the fact that your bills are piling up and stress of making ends meet, or maybe the pain in your leg is all of a sudden start to get worse and you're asking for help. Hey, does anybody know a chiropractor? I will guarantee you Facebook knows who's been in a car accident. I think it's safe to assume just like Google can predict who's going to be in a car accident, Facebook knows who's been in one. And this is good for that because this is typically after the accident itself. So once again, two platforms, very different ways in which to attract two different avatars. Now, in some cases, some personal injury law firms don't want avatar number two. They just want the ones who have very clear within the statute of limitations for the law, for the state. They don't want avatar two, which is fine. And we have some PI firms that do that as well. But the point is, is they're on there. If you're targeting, you have to sort of think about your business. Like, where is my avatar hanging out? And they might be at different phases of the customer journey, so to speak. And that's certainly the case here. So how we talk to them through copywriting is through empathy and through hope and through clarity. And these are some of the things that we use here, like assurance, the ways in which people are in different levels of customer awareness. Is it colors how our ads are going to be positioned through copywriting. And this goes for both Google and through Facebook. And we do this all through the Creative Lab, which is a super in-depth way of really understanding the avatar. But like I said, in most cases, most personal injury law firms have these two specific avatars. So is this clear so far? Yeah, I love this, dude. Specifically, the way you've segmented your ads here. We don't do any of this. You know, as Google guys, we generally don't need to, and we probably should, but bringing the human element into the communication, I think that that's what makes you a really good agency. I just pay attention to data as all our clients come up with their creative or people come up with it for them. So it's always to me magic watching other people like, oh, here's how this actually functions. I mean, it's interesting because I look at this as like old school advertising. It's like really getting into your prospect's head. And this is the stuff that I love more than anything else. It's psychology. It's not manipulating, but at the end of the day, it's helping people. And that's the thing that is really great here is that in this law firm, as a number of the law firms that we work with have some great case studies, like video testimonials of people whose lives were destroyed by this event. And thankfully, this helped them. 
And that's really not only helped them get their life back on track, but it helps obviously the law firm from a financial perspective, but everybody wins in this situation. So yeah, I mean, if you're not talking to your ideal prospect in the conversation with regard to the conversation that's already going on in their head, it's hard to win in advertising unless I'm not saying that Google discounts this, but I think on Google ads, there's a little bit less of this element. This is a little bit more well, on the, the Facebook the side. Like if you go back to the For slide sure. that you were just on, it's like problem aware, solution aware. Like we just skip to the very extreme outcome aware, basically. So I don't have to speak to people who are unaware, problem aware, solution aware, product aware, most aware. I just speak to people who are maybe most aware and outcome aware. And those are way easier conversations. As a matter of fact, they're so easy that you don't have tiles for them because it's obvious, right? It's like, do you need a personal injury attorney? Yes, great. Click here. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. It's that simple. And I mean, I think our copy for a lot of our ads are just that. <laughs> and it's not really about the copy at that point. It's just making sure your targeting is getting in front of the right people. Dude, you know how we come up with copy? We steal it. This is one of my Twitter threads. We just go look at the highest performing ad copy in that industry and other geographies, and then we wholesale rip it off. Because why would I reinvent the wheel? I don't have to be creative with Google, but you have to be creative with Facebook. And what's biting me in the hindquarters right now is you have to be creative with YouTube. So I'm going to come to the school of Ralph Burns and try to get a BS and BS. BS and BS. Yeah, we got a lot of BS going on here. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think especially at level one traffic for Meta, level one is cold traffic. Mm -hmm. These are people that, I mean, we're obviously, we're targeting them based upon their interests and their tendencies and past Facebook posts, complaining about some sort of injury or looking for a chiropractor. But the meta stuff then feeds the Google stuff. And everything starts to work together when you've got both platforms working. So you might create the awareness on meta, and then they'll go Google search the law firm's brand name. And Google will get last click credit on that. That's fine you won't really see much on the Facebook side. But what we're seeing is that as soon as you decrease your advertising spend on the Facebook side, all of a sudden the Google side decreases. And I think that's an old story, but it's absolutely true. So both of these platforms really do work together. If you don't have them, you're covering 80% of paid advertising in this particular case or thereabouts. Those two platforms together, especially in this space, they feed off of each other. And if you're using location targeting, really good interest targeting, lookalike audiences for that are seed audiences for previous clients, for car accidents, for the personal injury law firm, like those are really good targeting <laughs> inside Meta and obviously inside Google as well. And, you know, when you get both of these working together, that's what we refer to as traffic harmonization. So in all these ads, there's always that psychological element to talking to their fears and talking to their desires. But at the end of the day, you also have to remind them why they should contact you mm. and why they should contact you specifically. What's your USP and what is the potential reward for doing so? And I think that's an important part to this. So it can't all be this psychological kind of play here, but you still have to say, hey, at the end of the day, like you might not be aware that we might actually be able to help you. And here's how we can help you better than anybody else. So that's one of the things that I think we try to deploy with each individual customer account and try and do some ads that are maybe a little bit counterintuitive instead of just being the lawyer that's arms folded, standing in front of the courthouse with the Doric columns behind him at a slight 15 degree angle, show them in casual clothes and 
funny videos. Well, one of our clients, which we really can't talk about, they do like funny videos and they've done Super Bowl ads. It's crazy. Like they don't take themselves too seriously. And I think that's one of the things that really differentiates them in a very competitive market in the Michigan market. So the point is, is you have to sort of differentiate, but also talk to those desires and those fears, but you're still there to sell yourself at the same time. So what we found here is that Facebook offered a lower cost per lead, per signed case in some cases, but Google was providing the higher quality lead. And in most cases, we were not getting the tracking through Facebook. You know, it was either a view through conversion, it didn't show up in Facebook, but it did get tracked over on Google, but the two of them working together. And that's one of the platforms that we're really ramping up right now is the Facebook and the social side, because it's far more interruption marketing and not in the spur of the moment, like I mentioned before. So what we also did is we expanded to call extensions and Facebook lead form ads, another sort of part to it and hit on the call now, call to action through a unique Facebook number, which is Super important, unique numbers. I'm sure you use those for a lot of your Google ads, Kasim. You have to. Yeah. It's the only way to segment now, especially now that tracking is starting to be more difficult based off of other parameters. So that's another really good note for CMOs. Go find a call tracking solution that you like. High level has one in app, call tracking metrics, call rail. There's a billion of them. We use call tracking metrics and I'm a big fan, but it's such an easy, simple solution that costs no money and has a massive benefit to you if you if you use it right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's like one of those little things that people kind of forget about. Like, ah, it's not really that important. Eh, it is actually important. Definitely a takeaway there. We also used Facebook forms to auto-populate those forms. Those are hit or miss at times, but we definitely did restrict a lot of our targeting by location, which is obvious, because these are regional areas that a lot of these law firms are serving in this particular one. The regional area that's really sort of tight, really small, just based upon a huge geography. So make sure that you use all this sort of stuff and you're not careless with your targeting, as well as make sure that you're tracking as best as possible using some unique identifiers. So what we found initially, and this is back sort of mid-year, this is a screenshot that sort of shows the initial results. Like when we took over, you've got your costs all of a sudden rapidly decreasing as your impression share started moving forward. And our CPC dropped from an average of 24 bucks in our first four to five months down to around $11. And now it's about seven or $8 per click. So wow. because the algorithm was just starting to get smarter and smarter, it's like we're seeing our CPCs dropping and dropping and dropping, which isn't the primary metric. Granted, it's signed cases at the end of the day. But it's a good way of showing, all right, this is stuff started to change. And this was midsummer of last year. You can see by this image, costs are decreasing while impressions are increasing. The exact type of thing that you want to see makes my heart go a flutter. Costs flutter. When I see these. Yeah. When I see beautiful these pros. Of, this is beautiful pros. Yep. Things are moving in the right direction. So last but not least, we added this at the end and we actually executed this early part of this year. Everything after the click was all right, we've got things moving in the right direction. Now let's actually add in some optimizations for their landing pages. And we'll go through this quickly. They were sending a lot of traffic just to their homepage, which really needed a lot of optimization. This is our conversion architecture section of customer acquisition amplification, which is our after the click. And they had this confusing above the fold structure 
They were using five different font sizes and styles. They didn't have a phone number displayed at the very top of the page. They had confusing copy on the form. There was just a lot of things that we knew we could make changes to. And once again, this is after things are kind of moving in the right direction. So this is additive. Oftentimes, we might sort of say, well, your landing pages and what we're sending traffic to are such a disaster. We'll do that first, and then we'll set up your tracking, and then we'll do the creative lab. But in this case, they had good enough landing pages. But once we reached a certain level of success, we're like, all right, well, we can start to amplify these results even more using all these ways in which we can improve. So on desktop, things were really a bit of a mess. So we created a much cleaner sort of visual hierarchy. The headline was filled with more of that emotive copywriting that we talked about in the creative lab that really speaks to the desires. The phone number was absolutely unmissable on the top of the page. That was key. I think they had like a call now button and then we changed it over to the actual phone number. So it's a prompt for people to get it, not have to click and delay the action on desktop. So that was important. And the call to action, we changed the call to action, which gives the reader an urgent act, which gives the reader an urgent reason to act now, which was super important. On mobile, they had sort of the same things, no phone number on top. They had confusing copy, just a lot of individual things here. They had no description field in the form. They were getting a lot of spam on mobile, which I know you and I have dealt with, with Google Performance Max especially, and they had a lot of it. Not only were they attracting the wrong types of cases, but they were getting a lot of spam forms and fake phone numbers too. Cleaning up the description field was super important. What we did is we, once again, put the phone number front and center on the top, like the most simple things. Like if you have a call now button right now and you look at your site today on mobile, call now means they have to click twice in most, in a lot of cases. In this case, they had to click and then the phone number appeared so just having the phone number is much more of a visual cue and it prompts people to call. Well, there's a lot of operating systems that don't recognize the call now prompt, but would recognize the number. And not that this is an absolute deal breaker, but call now is not ADA compliant. You want the number, you need the numeric characters shown in order for it to be ADA compliant. Good point. Yeah. I didn't even know that. So if you look at your page, and this is, I think, one of the great things about having a team that does this, this is all that they do. It's hard sometimes for you to get a objective perspective on what's wrong with your websites. <laughs> so you actually get somebody's outside viewpoints, like, why don't you have your phone number, your actual phone number on there? Like the most important thing was missing. So whether it's ADA compliant or not, or whether it's a visual cue, like all these things are so important. And those were the things that really started to make a big difference. But once again, this was all additive sort of after the initial success. Load time was really slow. We got it up to 98% on desktop, which is really super high, a 98% load time score. We got that. And then we also improved on the mobile side as well. And you can see here inside the Google ad account exactly what the two different landing pages looked like as far as spend go. This is our initial spend. And you can see we've got five cases at $3,454 per case. And as soon as we started implementing the new landing page, we immediately won the split test at a $1,581 cost per sign case. So we lowered that cost per sign case by about 50% just by adding and doing all the things that we 
mentioned on the desktop and the mobile site. Now, most of the traffic was coming in through mobile because most of our avatars were sort of in the moment right after the car accident because we're using the Google algorithm. The point is, is all of this sort of additively created a pretty tremendous result for these guys. They got 628 cases for about $1,500 a pop. So that is the case study here, Kasim. Any questions or anything that was unclear on what we discussed in our rather long case study? I was going to say, I feel a little intimidated by your case study building abilities. My case studies are usually like one screenshot and I'm like, cash in, cash out next. So your deep dive here, Ralph, I'm shamed by. I should start doing things like that. This is like one of those things. There's multi parts to it. Yeah. It's a symphony. Yeah. You have to give it credit. Do you build these yourself or does your marketing team do it? Do you have an EA? We find them through the marketing team and then I end up doing a fair amount of it because it's actually something that I do enjoy doing. But yeah, I mean, I think that the team brings these up. I think the team is so humble. It's hard for them to toot their own horn sometimes. Yeah, I don't have that problem. I lack humility. I know you don't have that problem, but my team sometimes has that problem. So like these guys, I was like, so how are we doing with this particular customer? Oh, yeah, we just did this. And they're like, yeah, they were spending five grand on a sign case. Now it's down to like 1,200. That's what just happened within the last week. So I'm like, oh, crap, I should probably put that in this presentation. You should tell me about that. awesome we are. So yeah. Yeah, they're a bit on the too humble side sometimes, but hey, it's my job to toot their horn. I didn't do any of this. It was the entire team. It was Nick. It was Ollie. It was Maria. Yeah, but you built camp, right? That's your brainchild because that thing's that's wicked smart. So yeah, we definitely did that. But the team actually built that themselves because we were doing it without even knowing it. And now we use it as our framework. I downloaded camp, by the way. I'm looking at it now. Yeah. So check it out. I mean, tier11.com forward slash camp, C-A-A-M-P. We'll leave links inside the show notes here. And I want to thank you all for listening to this week's show. Make sure that you do subscribe and leave a rating wherever you listen. And we might even mention you in the beginning part of the podcast. You'll be podcast famous for an episode or two, which is something that everyone wants, right? Don't you want to be podcast famous? Why not? So follow me over on LinkedIn at Ralph Burns and then Kasim, of course, at Kasim Aslam on Twitter. We'll leave links to some of his wicked smart nuggets from the beginning part of the episode and check out our YouTube channel. We will leave links to that as well. We will have this one up and running in no time on the Perpetual Traffic YouTube channel. So all resources and show notes are over at perpetualtraffic.com. On behalf of my awesome co-host, Qasem Aslam. Peace. Until next show, see ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic, 